Rob Adams. It is the We Be Rolling podcast, another edition for you. How's everybody doing? Hope you guys are doing well. That is Land from the Doughboys. Love these guys. My father-in-law's band talked about them on the last podcast. Kind of depressed, a little depressed. Had to watch my New York Rangers get beaten seven. God, they didn't even really show up for game seven. It was terrible. I'm going to talk a little hockey right now just because I'm kind of pissed. They forced a Game 7. They fought back. Uh, They forced a couple Game 7 in the last few uh, playoffs. And man, they really struggled hard in Game 6 to make it to Game 7 against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Just came up short. Actually, they didn't even show up. They didn't even show up, man. Lost 2-0, got shut out in Game 7. God, is there a a worse way to go out? To just get shut out? Nothing. They couldn't get it together. They just could not force... They couldn't put pressure on Bishop. They just couldn't get it done. They couldn't do what they did to the Lightning in Game 6. They just couldn't do it again. And now they're beat. Last year they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals. This year, nope. Not going. Not going. Going to be playing golf. Sitting on the couch. Jeez. Licking their wounds. That's all right. I'm a New York Mets fan, too, so I'm used to this kind of crap. At least the Rangers actually made the postseason. Not too bad. Hope you guys are having a great wedding season. Hope everything's going well for you. Um, on today's podcast, uh, we've got a special interview. I uh, About a year ago, I learned about a service, and we even mentioned it, I think once or twice on the podcast, uh, a service about a woman who writes best man speeches. And she's um, quite successful with this so far. She's, uh, she's building a little business. Uh, it's called um, bestmanspeechwriter.com. Her name is Patricia Klieger. And uh, we, we did an interview with her the other day, and we're going to play that back for you in just a little bit. It's really kind of cool to hear what she has to say about um, best men and their approach to the speech. And how you know, and that's an important thing for us as filmmakers, as wedding filmmakers, because we really rely on that dialogue. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, man, <laughs> those speeches are bad. They're so bad sometimes. So having a good best man speech does benefit us, right? So I thought it would be fun. I thought it would be fun to have her on just to talk about, uh, you know, the process of writing a best man speech for somebody and then uh, rehearsing it with them. There's kind of a humorous angle to it as well. So we'll get to that in a few minutes. I don't know what else is going on. I've been, uh, I've been busy. We went back to the Plaza Hotel, shot another wedding there. God, I love shooting that place. You know, they just set everything up for you. The lights, They got a sound guy. They take care of it all for you. It's real simple. Real simple. Brought the jib back in. Had nice overhead shots for the ceremony. Just beautiful, man. I love shooting there. It's one of my favorite venues. But yeah, did that. Had another wedding the weekend following. And it's been busy. So, uh, actually, two weeks after. So, uh, you know, while May is not my my most busy month, September by far will be my most busy month. uh, Because I've got eight. 
eight jobs in September. And for me, that's a lot. Uh, most of the time, my weddings are sort of spread out throughout the year. So to have eight in one month, kind of a big deal. When I was back years ago, when I was a, a volume studio and I did multiple weddings, I mean, I do multiple weddings now. I mean, like, you know, 50, 60, almost 70 weddings a year. Um, you know, having eight in a month was a light month. But now, you know, you know most of our months are one or two. Uh, to have eight in one month is, is kind of uh, it's kind of insane. So, and we'll be doing a lot of traveling, getting ready to hit the road. Actually, I'm um, gonna be on the road for the next two weeks. We're uh, Vanessa and I are gonna hit the road. We're gonna explore some some markets, some places that will possibly um, maybe look to relocate in the future. Not right now, nothing immediate, but we're just sort of yeah, we're just sort of scoping things out, see what the wedding market's like in other places, get a feel for the real estate market because uh, uh, I've had it with Jersey. We've talked about that before. I'm not gonna beat that horse, but yeah. So we're gonna get uh get on the road for a couple weeks. And uh, do some touring around, should be fun, gonna take some work with me, and uh, you know, just spend this time, I really don't have a whole lot of weddings in June, so it works out. And that's, isn't that a funny thing, like June used to be the month, June was the wedding month, I mean, I used to have all my jobs, uh, a lot of my jobs in June, it used to be a really busy month, now not so much, now it's the fall, now it's all about the fall. So, uh, yeah, so we're going to take up the opportunity of these next couple of weeks that we're not going to be doing anything here and, uh, and hit the road. So that should be a good time. What else is going on, man? Have you guys seen the Lily camera? Have you seen this thing yet? Somebody sent me a link uh, a few weeks ago and I checked this thing out and this drone technology is getting crazy. It's getting out of hand. It, it's getting to the point where I'm, I'm a little worried about just how fast it's progressing and, 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 and what that means. Um, how the general public is going to, going to embrace it uh, even more than they already have and then potentially cause problems for professionals who are trying to use them responsibly. So this latest one called the Lily Camera, if you haven't seen it, L-I-L-Y Camera, is a drone that you turn on, you throw it in the air, and it follows you. You wear a wristband... Um, tracking device and this drone you can set the parameters for uh, apparently for the distance and the radius and the altitude and this thing will follow you so if you're an extreme sports enthusiast uh, snowboarder skier water skier something to that effect you can toss this thing in the air it will follow you and film you and it's really cool the video that they have for it Shows this thing working perfectly. But I had to ask myself as I'm watching this thing going, what happens if you go underneath something? What happens if you go under a bridge? What happens if you go through trees? Does this thing have the wherewithal to know that there's an obstacle and then get around it, right? So, I mean, I guess it's cool, but you have to carefully plan where you're going to go and where you're going to be so this drone doesn't smack into something, right? So... It's just interesting to watch the technology, and we, we talked about some of the, some of the new drones that are going to be coming out, and how they've got basically in and out points that you can set, and the drone will fly along those axes, which is really cool. Uh, but here is something that you're relying solely on a tracking device, so it's not something that's in your control. It's not something that you'll be able to control in the moment, um, doing what it's purposely designed to do which is follow you when you're doing sports or, or something to that effect so 
it really is crazy to watch how the technology is progressing and where companies are taking these things uh, into a market where there's trying to, where they're trying to find demand. So it's it's really interesting to me. I, I just worry about safety. I just I'm just really cautious with my drone. I don't take a lot of chances with it. I don't <clears throat> certainly try not to fly it around people too much. And uh, this has me a little worried, man. I mean, you know, every day you're seeing something in the news about drones that are coming close to aircraft and near misses and sightings over airports or near airports. And you just know, you know, it's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before somebody smacks one of these things into a plane and then that's it. You know, potentially lives lost, you know, injuries. It's scary. It's, it's, it's you know, we're, we're getting to a point where, where technology is really pushing the limits of human intelligence to the point where, you know, how, how much can we be trusted with technology that really is, is self-operative? Um, it's right up, right up there with driving cars or, or, or self-driving cars, rather, for me. I don't know if I trust a self-driving car. It's just one of those things. But it's interesting to watch. But the device is really cool when you see what it can do. Um, so that's the flip side of it. It's like, all right, you know, it's dangerous and you can see the potential of somebody who's careless using these things improperly, or maybe just the technology's flawed uh, on some level. But on the flip side, it's like, oh, these things are so cool. Uh, and it's really cool to, you know, it's really cool to see what they can do. So anyway, uh, yeah, I just thought I'd touch on that. The Lily camera, a lot of people were emailing me about it, just curious to what I, what I thought about it. And, and that's what I think about it. It's kind of cool. Anyway, um, I was also on the internet as I usually am when I'm watching paint dry and letting things render uh, when I'm editing. And I saw some some stirrings online about a potential 5D Mark IV Canon 5D Mark IV. I have no idea um, if these rumors are true. I have no idea if, if the sources are correct. I remember reading in one of the articles that uh, one, of the, one of the people making this prediction or um, releasing these rumors or setting these rumors were, you know, was right about the 5D Mark III back when it was coming out. So I don't know if these reports are accurate or not, but they're talking about a 5D Mark IV. That would potentially be a 4K camera, albeit without um, super high bitrate codecs. So potentially a camera that would give us 4K internally in a small body from Canon, but, uh, yeah, who knows? I mean, that would be interesting to see. I mean, Canon would basically be cutting its own knees out at this point because you see, you know what they've done. They've gone ahead and created these these monster cinema line cameras. And, uh, you know, not a whole lot of people are buying them. I mean, I'm sure they're making money, but, you know, it's not all the rage. It's not nearly what the 5D Mark II, Mark III was for the industry. And, uh, you know... I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm not, I'm done with Canon unless they come out with a 4K DSLR that really, uh, you know, a nice compact design, that DSLR body and form factor uh, with internal 4K. You know, I'm jumping, I'm, I'm off, I'm off the boat. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I'd be curious to know what you guys think about that. If you've heard anything about a 5D Mark IV, what the rumblings are, because, you know, I'm kind of limited in my internet uh, exposure. I try not to be on too much, I try not to dig too deep. Because, you know, you just don't know what to believe. So, uh, but I thought it was worth mentioning because I noticed in a couple of uh, a couple of posts recently I've seen online, it, it was starting to recirculate again. thought it would be worth mentioning on the podcast and kind of stirring up the, the talk, maybe a little debate of whether or not that would be a good idea for Canon, whether or not it would be a good idea, a good product for us filmmakers now that so many of us have gone into different areas and have just decided to move into something else 
A lot of guys have gone with the Sony A7S. Some guys have gone with the, with the Lumix GH4. So yeah, what would a 5D Mark IV mean for us? Let's say they did put out this amazing camera that's everything we've ever wanted. Would a lot of people jump back on board Canon? And uh, especially, you know, if the price point is, you know, reasonable, but not, not over the top. So just something to think about. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, another thing going on with me, I, uh, I've been booking some jobs lately, which I'm really happy about. I, I saw like a rash of new bookings in the last couple of months. I hope you guys are experiencing the same thing. I feel like uh, with consumer confidence starting to rebuild, I think people are starting to think that the economy is getting better. I don't know how true that is, um, but I've noticed uh, people who were kind of scaling back on certain luxuries or certain high-end items for their weddings are starting to come back up back to it a little bit. I've gotten some more inquiries um, that are not, I wouldn't say low end, but they're they're not the extreme high end. Uh, and these are brides who about, you know, nine, 10 months ago, I was having some difficulty booking just because they weren't looking to spend, you know, eight, nine, $10,000 on a wedding film. I'm starting to see brides circling back around to that. Can't say what it's attributed to. I'm really not sure. Um, but these things do happen in waves sometimes. So maybe that has something to do with it. Maybe it's just a wave of bookings. And I, and I go through like these ebbs and flows where we have, you know, like uh, six or seven straight bookings and then nothing for two months. And, you know, it's hard to book appointments. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, five, six new appointments and three or four bookings. So I, I hope you guys are experiencing the same thing. And um, yeah, I mean, I wish I can kind of attribute something to it, but I went back and looked at my, my lead sources to where I was getting my jobs. And, you know, still it's 90% word of mouth. Um, I don't do a whole lot of advertising. The only advertising I do is on Wedding Wire, and actually, I just canceled that today. Uh, I called them up. I, after looking at my lead sources, I, I, I looked at my Wedding Wire leads, and there weren't that many, which was, you know, disheartening to say the least. I mean, I do track where my leads come in, but when you look at it on a spreadsheet and you say, wow, I've only had so many, you know, X amount from Wedding Wire, what's going on here? Uh, and then you look at how many you booked. And I had booked zero. Um, after paying what I was paying per month for a featured listing, I immediately decided, you know what? No way. I'm calling them up. We're canceling this. It's If there's no ROI, if there's no return on investment, why am I going to spend my money doing it? It just, you know, it, is it a branding thing? Yeah. Being on Wedding Wire and having a featured listing is definitely a good branding tool. But honestly, with the price I was paying per, per month, it didn't make sense for me to continue to do that if I'm not booking jobs from it. Uh, you know, so I call him up. And of course, you know, you get the guy on the phone who was very nice. Uh, said, you know, yeah, Mr. Adams, I can help you cancel your account. You know, and then they want to sit there and try to sell you and try to make you feel like you don't know what you're doing marketing wise. <laughs> it was kind of like, uh, yeah, so uh, do you have any idea why maybe you're not booking any jobs from Wedding Wire? I'm like, yeah, it's because of budget. You know, they could they, they they inquire. I send them the pricing, and then, you know, they see the prices. They run for the hills. And he's like, "Well, did you ever think that maybe uh, your prices are too high, or maybe you're, uh, you know, you're 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 not, um, you know, your conversion rate? They like to use those fancy words. Your conversion rate, you know, might be something in the pipeline there." I said, "Yeah, you know, if you really want to break it down and get scientific here, I could look at the the number of leads I got from my wedding wire listing, and you could look directly at the number of clicks on the banner." or on the featured listing, and then you can directly correlate that with how many of them actually inquired with me, and then you can directly correlate how many of them actually met with me, and then I told him at the end that number was zero. And uh, he was like, well, no, you got 674 clicks on your on your banner. I'm like, yeah, 674 clicks, and none of them 
equated equated into a into a job lead, let alone a booking. And uh, yeah, it's kind of disheartening. I was like, well, you know, if you look at Wedding Wire, it's pretty saturated. It's not as saturated as the not. But anyway, whatever the reason is, I was just like, you know what? If I'm not getting ROI, I'm just I'm just pulling out. I'm pulling out the ad. It doesn't make any sense. I would I'd be so curious to hear if you guys are having success. I've talked to a few people. I shot a wedding over the last weekend, and I was talking to the DJ and uh, and, and the photographer, and they were both saying, yeah, you know, they they've had good success with wedding wire and then i asked them well how many weddings are you guys doing per year and they're like oh yeah you know we do like 45 50 55 and then i you know if i said if you don't mind if you ask me if can i ask you what your price points at and you know they fell somewhere between that two and four thousand range which i think is like the sweet spot if you're in this market at least if you're going to be a volume business and um you know they were they were saying they were having great success with their wedding wire account it wasn't you know, a large percentage of their leads and bookings, but it definitely contributed. And I was thinking, well, you know, that's interesting. So I'd be curious to see if other high-end uh, vendors are experiencing the same thing I was. I mean, my leads, my my reviews are 100% solid. Um, you know, I've I've got my most recent work up there for the most part, and you know, I get you know I get a lot of good reaction from my website and other sources. And for some reason, man, that wedding wire just fell short. So anyway, yeah, went ahead and canceled that. I'll take that money and and save it or something. Put it away. Put it towards retirement. <laughs> Got to think about getting out at some point, right? Anyway, yeah, so cancel my Wedding Wire account. And, and I'm not crapping on the company. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with Wedding Wire. I did just, for me, it didn't work. It hasn't been working. Nine months I've had the feature listing and then uh, no, nothing. So uh, yeah, I'd be curious again, if you guys want to submit questions about that, talk about that a little bit, I'd be happy to do that. This is the time where I wish this thing was like a call-in show and get some people calling in and talking about these issues in real time. That might be something to uh, to play around with at some point would be really cool. Um, I also want to talk to you guys a little bit about a uh, new editing format that we've been playing around with lately. Um, so when it comes to editing our feature films, I've been trying to make things easier for our editor editors to get the jobs done. And I, I was brainstorming for a while on how to do this. Not that our turnaround time is long. Um, it's, I'm more trying to think about my editors in general and how I can get them to be more productive and get them feeling good about the money they're making and producing quality work at the same time, as opposed to me having to go back and you know hit them with a bunch of revisions and say, no, no, this needs to move around. And you know, you know how it is as an editor when somebody comes back and makes you change things around. You know, it's just disheartening and then it gets annoying and then you wonder if you're getting paid enough. Um, so I wanted to kind of cut down on that as much as I could. So one of the ideas I came up with, and I'm not sure if we touched on this on a, on a previous episode, we may have, but I started creating mixtapes in Song Freedom and then creating soundtracks that the music would already be laid out for the editor and then they would just basically edit the parts of the day to the appropriate places in the songs. So for instance, what I did was I created about 10 categories under the mixtapes, um, which is basically a, their word for collections or favorites on Song Freedom. And I put a bunch of music in each one and I said, okay, for each of these segments, if you will, these are the songs you can pick from. All right. So there's plenty of options. It's not limited. It's not like one or two songs. It's about five or six songs per category and they can choose which music they want to use. Now, there's about eight to 10 segments in our feature 20 minute film. So 
each of those segments or songs has content that must remain in that segment. So rather than the editor having to reinvent the wheel all the time and re and produce a product that's completely different and having to rethink everything every time they start a new job, this just kind of gives them a guideline to work with uh, to you know, say, okay, I know my preps and my pre-ceremony will go in this segment, and then I can use something from here, here, and here as a transition to the next scene. Next scene will contain um, the beginning of the vows, and um, we start foreshadowing the reception, and then another transition, which would be like a piece of the toast, or a piece of the ceremony, or the homily, and then all of this stuff, once you have the music laid out on the timeline, you can look at your entire 20, 25-minute film, and you can see exactly where the content needs to go. So once you've got your footage organized, now it's just a matter of going through and, and you know, favoriting your best shots, laying out your main story by syncing your ceremony and toasts, putting those sound bites in appropriate places, and then just putting the content B-roll in over the, the segment that it belongs to. And we've been playing around with this now for several months, and it's actually been working really, really well. And uh, I wanted to just go ahead and share in more detail how we're doing this so you guys can get a sense of of, of this process and maybe it'll, it'll hopefully benefit you in your post-production process. So it sort of looks like this. I spent about a day or a day and a half solid just on song freedom searching for songs that we've that are different and had the energy or emotion that I wanted in my films. And we immediately favorited them and put them in these things called mixtapes. All right. Um, you can do this on Triple Scooper, Music Bed, whichever, you know, you want. And yeah, did it cost me money to buy the songs? Um, yeah, in, in a way it did. I mean, you know, it's going to cost you money to go and have to purchase this music. But the idea is the music can be recycled. Um, so when it comes to like teasers and trailers, I will go seek original music, something that I've never used before. Because that gets out there, that is put out for public consumption. When we're talking about a bride's feature film, they're all getting, you know, a similar product in a way. It's all beautiful and nice, but there is a formula to it, right? And we don't put those out for public consumption normally. So you can recycle music in the context of those feature films. So I spent like a day and a half going through, favoriting and, and dividing up this music into categories, and then and sorting it into um, places where I felt it was appropriate. For example, a song that was really slow and emotional would go in the vows and rings section. Okay, So we have a segment in our 20-minute films that's just the vows and the rings, or it can be divided, but generally speaking, we try to keep that condensed, and then you'd have a list of music that is only for that part. Okay, and so on, so on and so forth. When we got into the reception, like your um, FaceTime cocktail hour, when you, you were doing like room shots and you're doing photo session and kind of mixing that in all together so it's energetic, cutting in the introductions, the grand introductions into the, into the ballroom, you know, you have a couple different song choices for that as well. More, more than a couple, more like five or six, right? So now you've got all this different music and you could just lay it out and say, okay, these songs have the energy we need for this segment. Now it's just a matter of, Putting the songs together so it flows and there's transition in and outs, you know, maybe gaps of silence where there's going to be only talking and then a transition into the next song. And we went ahead and just have categories for those. Um, so after that day and a half, I went ahead and briefed my editors. I told them, OK, this is what we're doing from now on. And I wrote it out segment by segment. Um, these are the categories you'll notice when you go on Song Freedom and you look under mixtapes. The categories that I wrote down directly correlate to the mixtape names in Song Freedom. Okay, so if I had a category named um, 
uh, opening segment prep introduction, for example. If you went on Song Freedom, there would be a category opening sequence prep introduction, and then the five or six songs were in there, right? So this was all spelled out for them so easily. I had an editor say to me right off the bat, he's like, this is going to save me so much time because I'm not going to be searching for music, you know, for hours and hours and hours. And as long as you don't mind me reusing some music, um, this this is great. I said, yeah, go ahead and do it. The, the only downside is after the job is done and delivered, if I feel like a piece of music doesn't work and it, to my liking, and maybe maybe the editor had a different vision for it, but I'm just not feeling it and I don't feel like it represents our brand the right way or there's something not right about it. Maybe, maybe it's this tempo is just a little bit too slow or a little bit off or a little bit too fast. I might ask the editor, hey man, go back and swap that out for a different song and kind of rescore it and make it fit this segment. And we've had good success with that. I think the editor was was happier going back and replacing a song rather than having to re-edit an entire sequence, okay, from the ground up. Because sometimes it's just the music that's the problem and not so much the edit or the visuals. So that that was a great approach to that, and I feel like it's working really well. So what the editor does is they go, the first step is after they import all their footage and, and, and organize it all, the next thing they'll do is go into, go into Song Freedom, pick the songs they want to use, download them, which you can download them multiple times, and then bring them into Final Cut and place them on the timeline in the order that they want them, They'll truncate them or extend intros or endings where they need to, and they get this kind of musical feel. Now, the weird thing is, this is completely backwards from the way they were used to doing it. It used to be, you know, you'd pick a song, you'd edit a segment, and then you'd go find more music for the rest of the piece. Or, some editors, like myself, would edit a piece and then put the music in last. Um, I actually had a question from a uh, somebody who wrote in who asked me, Hey, Rob, I was just curious how you do that, because you had mentioned on a previous podcast that you edit your segment first, and then you score it. Well, how do you do that? How do you find pacing? And my answer to that, and I can answer that right now, is that the pacing is determined not really by music, but it's determined by emotion, by what's being said, by the tempo and the... Um, and the, and the cadence of the dialogue, and it's more about the flow of how the visuals and dialogue interact within a scene. If it's just a music-only scene, you might want to mu- use your music to edit to. Um, but generally speaking, most of my scenes are not just music, and there is an element of foley and a timing with the cuts to really make it more cinematic. So laying in the music was never really a challenge for me. It was actually more fun, and I found it easier to do that way. And you find those surprises. You find those moments where the music just fits just right, and you weren't weren't expecting it to be that way. So um, this way is a, a little bit more reversed, right? Now we're laying out all our music, and then we're editing on top of it. So depending on what kind of editor you are, you might really like this this approach. So I would recommend that you try this out for, you know, just try it out. Uh, and see how it works for you. It's definitely sped up my editors. I know they feel better about how fast they're editing now because the music is already selected for them. And I know it's music that I want used in my films rather than music that I feel like everybody's used. It's been recycled so many times. Maybe it's just too mainstream now because it's been around for so long. So this, you know, this gives me the opportunity to 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 quality assure. I have some quality assurance over my music. And every so often, I'll go back in and refresh the list. I'll go back in and move, if I'm tired of hearing a particular song, it just nicks it from the mixtape. 
and go and find something else to replace it with. I also found just a, a piece of advice. I found the best way to search for music on Song Freedom is to just, when you go to the main page, just click the little button up top that says New and go down through all their new releases or new additions to the catalog. And I find like there's uh, Matt Thompson, the owner of Song Freedom, has been doing a great job of recruiting, not I want to say recruiting, but gathering new content for the website. And by searching the new um by, by filtering down to the only the new stuff, I've been able to find some really, really good songs. So I hope that helps you out. Yeah, so I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit more in depth about that editing process. I've, I've just felt like my, my overall workflow has been improved watching my editors deliver jobs a little faster and with less frustration because the music's already laid out for them. So I, I really hope that that helps you guys... Um, uh, you know, tailor your edits a little bit more uh, to a formula that works and that brides are happy with, and then more often, or more importantly, that you're happy with and you're making money at the same time and not driving yourself crazy. So I hope that really helps out. Um, so yeah, we're uh, we're about time to play the interview with uh, Patricia Klieger from BestManSpeechWriter.com. So I'll just go ahead and play that, and then we'll come out for a little outro after the interview. Okay, so Patricia, how are you today? Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure, Rob. Thanks for having me. Good, good. Listen, so your service is really unique, and I've told the listeners a little bit about what you do. Um, give us your take on bestmanspeechwriter.com. This, what, what, this is such a cool thing because we deal with best man speeches all the time. We deal with bad ones. We see good ones. It would be great to have all good ones because it gives us a lot of material for our films. What, do you, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to just, to just up the game on what's out there in terms of what best men are doing on wedding days? Well, we're, we're definitely trying to up the game, but um, so Best Man Speechwriter, we, we're a professional wedding speechwriting company, and what we do is we help best men prepare for their 15 minutes of wedding fame. <laughs> you know, um, but more specifically, what we do is we, um, we help best men worldwide uh, put together a speech that is unique to them and a speech that they will be proud of presenting. But um, our, our services actually go beyond just the best man, though they are the folks we work directly with. I mean, for one, we provide brides and grooms with wedding day peace of mind because there will be a best man speech prepared. And we also help... Um, wedding cinematographers and video videographers like yourself with uh, with ensuring that there will be at least one speech from the wedding that they can use towards the wedding the wedding film yeah. so so in essence what we do is we we not only up you know the best man speech game but we are here to help make the lives of a number of people not just the best man easier that's a so great and Quite a few times I've heard some brides express a little bit of concern in the morning about the person who's planning to give the speech. I've heard them say, oh man, I don't know about this guy. I'm a little nervous about this. I don't think any bride should ever have to worry about what somebody's going to say or making an ass out of themselves when they get up at the reception or worse yet, making a, making a fool of the bride and groom by saying something completely inappropriate. Totally agree. And there <laughs> have been um, some best men that we, we've worked with um, that we kind of had to PG the, the story that they that they provided or you know, I'm talk. not surprised. Yeah <laughs> It's interesting, you know, and it's it's fun to hear the stories that um, 
best men have and share specifically with the room and and what they hold as as treasured memories but you're right you know sometimes there are things that they shouldn't mention because it shouldn't be something that the bride or even the groom has to worry about on their big day. What are, what are some of those things I just have to ask? What would be something that you would never want to hear a best man say? You know, I, I know my list. I've seen, heard, and I've heard things that have just made me cringe. What are some <laughs> of those things you know, when it comes to when you're coaching these guys? So when we help them put together a speech, um, Okay, you know what, there are a number of things that I, I would love to not hear in speeches again. Um, there are the overused lines and jokes that a lot of best men use. I, I would love for the world to be rid of that. That's the, the one. Google stuff. That's the stuff they go online and they find and they just recycle and use. Exactly. Vanessa Joy Photography actually has a blog post on that. And I've actually also um, created a list on my website. It's specific to a blog post, but I created a longer list of lines that I have seen and heard one too many times and the best man should just avoid. Um, But if I could have one, I guess, story or type of story that I wish best men would just avoid it's and I'm sure you'll agree with this it's anything that relates to him and the groom during their single days that involves a lot of alcohol right. and yep. maybe another one yeah absolutely especially ex-girlfriends or flings or that trip to Vegas exactly. uh, that sort of stuff yeah I've seen I've seen some brides get pretty upset after a best man speech or just later in the night, you could just tell they're not in a good mood based on what they heard at the speech. So those are the, now do you coach maid of honors as well, or are you just really targeting the men? You know, my, my company is actually targeting men, but I've, and I, I'm not surprised it's naturally evolved to the other folks in the wedding party. So, um, I'm actually working on a maid of honor speech right now. Okay. And, um, I just finished, uh, father of the bride speech as well. Oh, that's great! Yeah, and and so many more people. It seems like are taking on the role of a, you know, of a, a speaking role at the reception. So I can see how you can branch out to to other people as well. Now, how does the process work? And somebody contacts you via the website, and you have like different tiers, right? You have different packages that kind of cater to different services. Yes, we offer a total now of six services. I've noticed that there are um, different needs and wants from the different clients that contact us. So um, we have one package that pretty much combines everything and it's the granddaddy of everything. It's the best man package that is um, a tailored speech that I work with um, or I work with the best man on. Um, That also includes a practice session and whatever other advice or questions they may have related to their role and um, to the wedding day even. What does that practice session look like? What Do you just get on the phone with them? Do you do a Skype call? Do they come in in front of you and actually rehearse it? And do you coach them along? What, what, what does that look like? So I'm headquartered in New York. Um, so if I, it's available, if it's possible for me to have a face-to-face, which I've done, I will do that. But for the most part, I do. Um, we do mostly uh, Skype or FaceTime. And I actually request that it's some sort of face-to-face, even if it's done through the internet, just so that we're able to see their facial impressions or their body, um, 
their body language while they're saying the speech. You know, speeches are, it's not just how you say something, but it's also how your body is saying it. Yeah, so, and if you can keep them from running around the dance floor too, that would be great because, you know, <laughs> just just tell them to stay in, stay in one spot. It's just crazy you know, when they start running around. I'm going to note that. I'm, I'm going to put that on my uh, my tips of notes for them. Oh, that's the worst thing for us videographers because we're trying to make them look like a rock star. We're trying to make them go- look good and, you know, we got to try to, to track out. him everywhere he's going. He's slipping in and out of focus. It's a, it's a nightmare. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, but yeah, so our, um, our practice sessions or our coaching sessions, it, it really is done um, face-to-face through FaceTime or Skype. And it generally lasts about an hour. And during our practice sessions, we go through the speech uh, a minimum of at least three to four times. And between each, uh, each trial of the speech, there are things that we tweak here and there, whether it's, you know, oh, hey, say that like this, or, mm-hmm. you know, when you say that, make sure your hand is here. Like little nuances that doesn't really mean much, but in the grand scheme of the whole speech, it actually makes a big impact. Oh, absolutely. Well, public speaking is an art in, unto itself, and it's more than just the words that are coming out of your mouth, but it's, it's a presentation. It's a show. It's how, um, you know, it, it is a performance, if you will, and those little subtleties actually make a big difference, I know, from, from speaking in front of a lot of people, and, and, and that's cool that you're teaching them to do that because it does make it look so much more polished when they look refined, when they look comfortable, and they look rehearsed in what they're doing. Yes, I totally agree. It's so, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, actually, I forgot to mention the other, like, the packages or services that we offer. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, So we have the best man packages we chatted about. There is the public speaking coach in case, you know, they don't need us for our writing services. There's, of course, the writing service alone for just the speech. And um, three that, or two that we've added, uh, brand new ones totally, is a speech editor which uh, if there is a best man or maid of honor or father of the bride, mother of the bride, has a written speech already and they just want a pro or, you know, a third party to look at it, like that's what that service is about. Oh, that's right? a great idea. Yeah, so that is, um, that's one. And the other brand new one is um, speech material consultation. I was having a hard time naming that service. Speech but- material consultation, okay. Yeah. So pretty much what it is, and, and I actually thought of this when I heard one of my, um, when I had a hard time <laughs> sitting one of my best men down to just give me his answers to the questionnaire that I provide them. Right. Because you have to get to know them, right? You have to kind of get to know uh, a little bit about the couple in order to help them tailor a speech too. Yes. And a lot of what I, I get to know the best man about actually is him and his history and his relationship with the groom. Uh-huh. And um, I also do want to know the best man's relationship with the um, the bride because I always make sure, and it's always good practice, to mention something about the bride in there, in the speech. Right. Plus, um, you know, it's important, I think, because how you, else... You mean more than just calling her the, the new ball and chain, right? Exactly. Right. <laughs> our speeches, by the way. <laughs> I've, I've actually seen speeches like that where, I mean, it, it's almost an insult. It's a slap in the face. It's like, well, now that he's married, he's not going to be... We're not going to be able to get to do our Sunday football thing anymore. We're not going to... And you, you can just feel the crowd cringing. Yes. Yeah, we make sure that, you know, the best man that we work with, we, we make sure that, you know, their speech is, is not just PG and it, it's, it's going to be 
greatly accepted, but we make sure that he looks good. You know, we don't yeah, want yeah. him to sound like he's jealous of the bride or like he's <laughs> jealous that he's not married. So we're, we're, we actually also filter for that as well. That's great. So this is cool. So it, it's all done online, right? So you can just go to the website and kind of pick your package and then they contact you directly. And then I guess you kind of, you know, you take it from there. Yes. A lot of our work is done online. So we really can and have worked with uh, folks from around the globe as long as they speak English because um, we're sadly just monolinguistic right now. Sure. Um, we can definitely help them. Very cool. Well, this is such a unique service. I think it's a great idea. I think it's uh, needed. I, and, and I've done, you know, all kinds of weddings. I've done high class weddings. I've done, you know, just regular, you know, low budget weddings. And I've seen all the different types of speeches at each of these different types of weddings. It has nothing to do with status or class. It just comes down to like some people are good on a mic in front of other people and some people are terrible at it. Um, but if you could definitely build in some sort of coaching to make them stand still, I think every videographer listening to this podcast would applaud you greatly because that's one of the biggest challenges we face. I mean, I don't care if a speech is short. Um, either like I don't length doesn't really really matter do, do you do you coach them towards a specific length or do you say don't go beyond this length well if we're helping them write the speech we tell them from the get-go that you know your speech should really be three minutes or ah, less that's perfect yeah it's three like minutes three to five minutes is the sweet spot Exactly. A lot of, uh, I mean, some folks have said, you know, I'd like for my speech to be over five minutes. And I said, oh, hey, so-and-so, five minutes behind a mic is a lot longer than you think. Oh, it's brutal. And, you know, if if we're not able to convince them on that, I say, okay, we can definitely help you with a five-minute speech, but you need to provide me with, like, three times the stories and details you've just provided me. And generally, they agree to the three minute at that point. Yeah, <laughs> once they see how much more work it's going to be. Yes. For well, you know, we we do most of the work, but we do rely heavily on the information that we get from our clients. And you know, besides them providing us with the stories and our clients, um, if they choose to practice with us or if they chose a service that has a practice session. Besides practicing with us, those are the only things we ask of them. So a lot of the work is on us, but you know, we in order for us to make something that's unique, we really do rely on our clients for that. Right, you need to, to know as much as possible. Have you ever had? I have to ask. Have you ever had somebody who just can't speak, who it's just really tough to coach because they're just not, they just don't have that public speaking ability? Yes, I, I have. Um, it was a few months ago, actually. He um, he was. You don't have to name names. But <laughs> I won't. <laughs> he was so nervous about it that he opted to give his best man speech during the rehearsal dinner. Okay. Yeah. And he he said, you know, it'll be less people. Even though you know, at the reception at the rehearsal dinner, it's really the most important people in the bride and groom's life. I didn't point that out to him. Right. Right. But um, he was much more comfortable with a smaller group, and he said that you know, because of the fact that it's it's not the wedding day, then I'm I don't feel as pressured. But yeah, I have worked with a range of folks who have different comfort levels when it comes to public speaking. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, there's all different. I mean, it's it's I I do this for a living. I have a career in radio and giving I've given two best man speeches in my life and they were both really nerve-wracking for me. It was a different type of performance cuz you're not up there talking about something 
I mean, you're not you're not giving information. You're not teaching. You know, it's like for me, if I know what I'm teaching, it's no big deal. I'll get up in front of a thousand people. But if I have to say something heartfelt, that's completely different. That's that's a whole different ballgame. It is. It, you know, a, a lot of what we do is taking those emotional um, stories or, or those feelings. We have to put them into words, and you know, we have to do it in a way that. It's going to make the, the best man feel comfortable. It's, it's going to touch everyone in the room. It's, it's, a, it's a delicate balance. And you're right, you know, unless you're talking about something that you totally know a lot about, it's very hard to, to put it on paper and express it in a way that you won't get emotional. Right, right. So you could be heartfelt but not a bawling mess. Yes, exactly. Because, I mean, tell me the truth, like tears on a wedding film or too much tears on a wedding film doesn't really make for a good film, right? It's the ugly cry face that I worry about more. <laughs> you know, it, it's because I don't mind when the best man gets emotional because we can use dramatic pause and really make that um, a part of the emotion of the film. If they're standing there just like this and their faces all get turned, it's, it's really tough to... You know, to, to put him in that light, because then he's gonna watch the film and go, "Oh, I look like I look stupid." Take, tell yeah. him to take that out. You know, that's a, so. Do you also tell them to never say, "For those of you who don't know me," because that's the one thing we will cut out every single time. It's like as soon as we hear that, I'll even you know we'll look across a dance floor, my other shooters and I, and just shake our heads like that's not making it in. Is that something that you encourage or something that you tell them don't ever do? Uh, that is something that I will either X out if I see it on the right. speech or something I don't even include in the speeches that I write. Good. So, uh, yeah. yeah. That's one of those things that just makes you cringe. And then, you know, the, of course, there's the really cliche stuff like here's to love, laughter, happily ever after. I'm sure you've seen that one. I have a lot. It's actually on that list that I, I yes. have blog. Um, it's something that unless it's really requested, which I have been requested to write. Okay. I really don't include that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, you know, as service providers, we're like, dude, we have to do things we don't want to do sometimes. And yeah, yes. I can see that being like your one thing, like, okay, here we go again. We got to write this stupid line into this speech. What a great service. I really, I think it's great. I think it's something that uh, a lot of people, if, you know, if more, if more guys knew about it, they would definitely take advantage of it. Because one of the things we do in our film is we sit the guys down, we sit the best men down and have them go over their speech on camera, you know, and then we kind of intercut that with them actually, actually giving the speech. And they tell me if they've never rehearsed it before, it's great because that gives them an opportunity to have somebody in front of them and to do it. Or to write it out and say it out. So, yeah, having somebody coach them a couple of days before. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. Time frame. Do you work with them, like, right up until the wedding day? Or is this done way far ahead of time? Um, I wish it was done way ahead of time. Right. But the magic timeline seems to be three to four weeks. Okay. Um, so, with all the services, three to four, three weeks is, is fine. We can definitely work with that. With the Best Man package, since it, is, it includes the speech writing as well as the practice session. And it's, it's the granddaddy of, the, of all of our services. So we like go full force and put all in into there. Um, we feel better with four weeks, but three weeks is a magic, three and four weeks are a magic number. And we can definitely, um, we definitely do work with them until the very end. Like, you know, we've, uh, there was actually, um, we had a client last week. He is, in a totally different time zone. He's in Australia. Uh -huh. So I had to, you know, keep in mind, like, um, 
when I was following up with him. Right. The wedding was on Saturday, but, you know, I couldn't follow up with him on a Friday. I had to follow up with him on a Thursday. So timelines, it does matter. And we do uh, reach out to them until the end just to make sure that they're set, that they're comfortable, and if they have any other questions for us. And make sure it wasn't a complete disaster afterwards. <laughs> okay, we, we do follow up with them afterwards just to make sure everything went well. I could almost see this in the future. You know, you get big enough and this becomes successful enough that you actually bring in an audience and you have this guy do it in front of a group of people. Um, as part of the service. Any plans? Have you ever thought about doing that? I actually never did. I, I, I would be very curious if a best man would be open to doing that. I almost feel like it would give him an opportunity to, you know, because it's all strangers. It's people that, you know, that he knows they're there for the purpose of just, you know, hearing the speech. And, and it might get him over some of that stage fright. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a note on that. There we go. Okay, Rob. <laughs> This was awesome. Thanks so much for joining me. Um, I appreciate you taking the time out just to kind of explain the service. And um, I'm going to try to, you know, with this podcast, hopefully we'll, we'll uh, get some more exposure with uh, among cinematographers, too, who can tell their clients about it. And maybe those brides will go and tell the best men, hey, I, I don't trust what you're going to say. I want you to go call Patricia and set up a consultation to write a speech. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> no problem. Uh, any help would always be great. You got it. Thanks so much. Uh, and uh, we'd love to have you on again sometime. Oh, just give me a buzz. I'm here anytime. All right. Thanks, Patricia. Thanks, Rob. Have a good day, guys. Awesome. So we want to thank Patricia for coming on the podcast. Really appreciate her taking the time to talk to us. A lot of fun. Very interesting topic. Hope it's cool. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, so anyway, yeah, I'm going to be gone for the next couple of weeks. I might try to lay down a podcast while I'm on the road. Might be kind of fun to do. If not, I will see you guys in a few weeks. I'll be uh, in the middle of my wedding season at that point, so we should have some fun stuff to talk about. In the meantime, submit your questions to the We Be Rolling podcast at rob at robadamsfilms.com. Have a great couple of weeks, guys. Happy summer. Go out there and enjoy happy shooting. Take care. <laughs>